Well, good morning. Welcome today. It's, it's good to, you know, it's good to be able to worship God in the midst of whatever life is currently bringing our ways. As we've been reminded already, we, we come to God to give God praise. We come to bow before God, to lay our burdens at God's feet. And God's with us in and through all these things. And we are thankful for that. You know, if, you're, if you're a guest with us or new, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors, and we're so glad to have you with us just one quick reminder this morning, uh, next Sunday, we're going to be gathering outside for an outdoor time of worship together, and we're looking forward to just joining together as summer comes to an end as we kick off our fall. So here's what we're going to have. We're going to have uh, shade for those of you who want to sit in the shade. We'll have chairs for some of you who can't find your camp chairs. And uh, we're going to have games and food and just an opportunity to spend time together afterwards as well. So we invite you to come, to invite your friends to, to join us as well. For those of you who join us online, we're going to be streaming again next week. And we're also going to do our best to have it uploaded to Vimeo by 11 a.m. as well. So we want you to join us also during this time together. Well, if you have your Bibles today, I'd invite you to join me in the book of Ephesians. We've been Working through the book of Ephesians here recently, uh, this book that really calls us to how to live out our faith together as followers of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to be in, in chapter 3, and we're going to start with verse 14. I'd invite you to stand with me as we read God's word this morning. This is why I kneel before the Father. Every ethnic group in heaven or on earth is recognized by him. I ask that he will strengthen you in your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith. As a result of having strong roots in love, I ask that you have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth together with all believers. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Glory to God, who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and always. Amen. And this is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, so far in the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul is, is kind of helping people along here, reminding them about the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, what is this gospel message? What is this, this good news that has, has captured not only their imagination, but has, has captured their lives and is inviting them to, to live into what it is that, that God is doing in the world? You know, if, if I had to describe sort of in a nutshell the, the gospel that Paul reminds us of in the first three chapters of Ephesians, I think I would describe it by saying it's the radical optimism of grace. It's this picture that, that's radically optimistic, not because the world is good, but it's radically optimistic because God is good and because God is present in the world. And so Paul talks about how how there is every spiritual blessing that comes from heaven that is made available to those who, who follow after Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul talks about how, how God is at work inviting us to join God in God's redemptive work around the world. 
that God came to seek and save all who would turn to him. Every single person, right? That God is working to, to redeem and to restore. And one of the pictures we see of this is even how, in chapter 2, how, how Jews and Gentiles are brought together. Where once there had been these walls, physically and metaphorically, that had separated these people. In Christ Jesus, those walls are torn down and people are united together through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's just this incredible picture we have of the ways that, that God is, is working through, through circumstances. And even by the time we get to chapter three, we're reminded of the fact that when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. But in spite of that, he is saying God is still at work and God is in control, which is why in the church sometimes we say God can work in any and all circumstances no matter what. And some of you said amen because we're in a sanctuary and it's easy to say amen to a statement like that. But do any of you ever find yourself struggling with that when you walk out of doors of a place like this? You know that God is with us. You know that God is capable. Like you, you know that stuff here, but, but the challenges of life make it difficult to really feel it here. Any of you know what I'm talking about? It's challenging sometimes to say, you know, we know that God is working. I mean, we know that God can do anything, but, but these current circumstances are awfully challenging. Is God really working in the ways that God says God's gonna work? You know, maybe that's why... Maybe that's why Paul opened this section by, by saying, I ask you not to become discouraged by what I'm suffering for you. We know that Paul was in prison, but we don't know all of the circumstances around this. M maybe Paul was worried that, that this church would be discouraged because after all, Paul was the one who had gone to them, who had spent several years with them. I mean, not only did he share the message of Jesus with them and help them experience the transformation in their lives, but, but after several years of life together, they became friends. They loved one another. They cared for one another. And Paul was a good man. And now here he is in prison. And if that can happen to somebody like Paul, then what does that mean for the rest of them? It could have been the time when Paul was imprisoned in Rome. And if, if that's the case, then then Paul was in prison because of false accusations that had been made about him. You know, when you see things like that happen to people, it's discouraging. It's disheartening, isn't it? You know, maybe those are the reasons why, why Paul was, was encouraging them not to be discouraged. Whatever the case, we can see potential for discouragement, but, you know, to be perfectly honest, we can look around us and see our own potential for discouragement, can't we? You know, Pastor Billy reminded us some of, in our time of prayer, you know, we, we look on the news and just in the last week, if you've been reading some of what's happening in, in Afghanistan, it's, it's disheartening, isn't it? To see events like this taking place, there's, there's people in, in Haiti who are suffering, the poorest of the poor, who get hit with an earthquake and then a tropical depression right after one another. It's, it's disheartening, it's, it's troubling, Right? You know, this morning, I, I found out that a, a friend of mine from seminary, he, he went to the church out of seminary 20 years ago. He's been pastoring that church for the last 20 years. He's a wonderful pastor. Their church kind of sits in a, in a low area in town in, in Tennessee, and so every now and then they have to deal with flooding. Well, they've, they've kind of gotten this down to a science, right? 
When the creek begins to rise, people go down to church on the first level. They kind of raise things up enough. They ride out the storm, and they kind of just keep going. They figure this out. Well, yesterday was unlike anything they've ever experienced before. My friend Darren, his, his two of his sons and some others went down to prepare the church because the floodwaters were coming, but they rose faster and farther than they have before. They watched as their cars washed away. The first floor, the water went to the ceiling and they had to retreat to the upper level and wait out the storm with no cell service, no telephones, goldfish to sustain them during that. You know, they, thankfully, they were all safe, but the first level of their church is basically destroyed, right? Why do things like that happen? Why do situations like that happen to people? You know, we, we find ourselves still in the midst of COVID, and we've been talking about COVID for more than a year and a half, and it would just be nice to leave it behind us, wouldn't it? I mean, there's so much with that, but you know, even in the midst of that, sometimes we forget that COVID isn't just something that's talked about. There's real people involved with this. At one point this week, I knew five people who had parents on ventilators. You know, what do we do when stuff like that is happening in the lives of people? There is so much trouble and difficulty around us. And not to mention, even within the church, there's the challenges. I mean, recently, a new census was released, and some of the good news for us in the church, right, is that less people now call themselves Christians and more people say they have no faith. We could read things like that and we could just be so discouraged, couldn't we? We could be so frustrated, we could say, what, what are we supposed to do? What do we do in the midst of these circumstances? And Paul says, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. The good news of Jesus Christ that I told you about once before is still present and active in the world today. The God who redeemed you in the past is still the God who is redeeming and restoring people today. That's why Paul opens his prayer praying, this prayer he's praying for these people, he opens his prayer praying to God the Father. Praying to, to God the Father, the creator of the universe. Paul addresses God as Father, and for most of us, when you and I hear the word Father, we tend to think of a particular person. For some of us, that's a really good thing because we think of a loving, caring, providing Father. But for some of us who are here today, the word Father conjures up different images. There's some of you here today who never knew your Father. Some of you here today who your father was anything but loving and caring and providing. So when you hear that word father it, it talked about God, it's a little hard to try to put those pieces together and figure out what that means. You know, in, in, in the, the language in which Paul was writing, the, the word father was, was patria, from which we get the word patriarch. That helps us understand a little bit more because for, for Paul to use the word father, he was speaking of this, this person in relationship with his family. A person in relationship, not just in a, in a position, not just a, a biological distinction, but, but someone who is living in relationship with his family. But actually the word had a little bit more than, than just that because this sense was, was not just about the father in relationship with the family, but it was also about the family in relationship with one another. 
So this idea of father was really about a, a group of people sharing in, in close, caring, intimate relationship with one another. And so Paul is praying to that kind of a God, that kind of a God who's not just out there somewhere, but who's active and engaged and cares about each and every one of us. But God is not just a God who cares about you and me and cares about people. God is also the creator of the universe. So Paul is praying to this God who cares deeply about all people, who sees the hurt, who, who sees the pain, who, who loves those who are gathered here. But it's not just a God who cares, it's also a God who has the power to do something. Amen, thanks to God for that. God is our Father and God is also the Creator. But you know, even that statement can raise its own set of questions. So if God is really God, if God is creator God, if God has power, and if God is, is a God who, who loves us, who has this, this intimate, caring relationship for us and is also a God of power, then, then how come God doesn't do more sometimes? Especially when, when Paul prays to, to God who, who has these glorious riches of power and love that knows no end, how come a good God can allow bad things to happen to good people? That's really one of the questions that we wrestle with in our faith sometimes. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure that there's anywhere in Scripture that gives us exactly the kind of answer we would want for that question. But I can tell you some of the answers that Scripture does give us for those questions. Scripture never answers why we have to go through all of the things that we have to go through. But it does tell us that, that God's power is more than adequate to help us through those circumstances. It doesn't explain why we go through these circumstances, but that God's power is, is more than adequate to help us get through. But here's even the thing with that. The power of God that is made available to us is made available through the Holy Spirit. But the power of the Holy Spirit is never forced upon us. We have to choose to respond to the Holy Spirit, to, to lean into the Spirit, to, to trust the Spirit as we live our lives out, to, to work in, in fellowship with the Spirit who is there present in our lives. About 10 years ago, I did my, my first half Ironman triathlon, and uh, half Ironman begins with a, with a 1.2 mile swim. And when I was doing that, the, the race I was, was in, we were still in Michigan at the time, and so we were doing our, our swim portion in, in Lake Huron. Have you ever been to the Great Lakes before? The Great Lakes are, they're massive, really. They're huge. Lake Huron is, I, I looked this up, Lake Huron is, is 206 miles across and 183 miles from north to south. So if you brought Lake Huron and you put it over here in eastern Washington, it would stretch from about Canada to the Oregon border and from Spokane Valley to Leavenworth. It's a big lake, right? It's a big lake. It, it's, a, it's a powerful lake. It's also a beautiful lake. Most of the time, this time of year, Lake Huron is just a wonderful place to be. So we showed up to the race on, on Friday, and the water was about 68 degrees and just nice and calm. Perfect weather for a race. 
We got up Saturday morning, though, and the term that locals use is that the water flipped, which meant that the wind started blowing. So that 68-degree water that was on the top kind of got shuffled around, and the 54-degree water from down below was now up top. And that nice, calm water was now presenting itself as two to three foot waves. That was not exactly the race I had trained for. You know, as we started the the race, we kind of paralleled the shore, and actually the water was shallow enough where you could walk, and so most people did. In fact, really, it was impossible to swim unless you were out in front. You'd swim for a little ways, and you'd run into people, and you'd have to walk again. We got to the halfway mark, and then we turned out and went farther from shore, and then we came back in. And almost immediately, people started raising their hands, asking for help, looking for a kayak to hold on to or whatever. It was a whole different experience. I had to learn in some ways how to swim all over again on that second half of the swim. I learned very quickly that that you did not breathe at the top of a wave. If you tried to breathe at the top of a wave, you'd open your mouth and you'd get a mouthful of water. You had to learn to to feel where you were on the waves and, and to breathe in the bottom part of the waves instead of the top part of the waves and work your way through this course. What does that have to do with this? You know, I I knew how to swim in calm times. I had to learn how to swim in not calm situations. I had to learn how to kind of go with what was happening there. Now, it's not a perfect analogy, but, but I say that to remind us that to live by the Spirit is to lean into the Spirit, to trust the Spirit not just in the calm times, But when the times aren't calm, to trust that the Spirit will give us the power that is adequate for the need. I shared a few moments ago about my friend Darren and his church in Tennessee that was flooded just yesterday. You know what they did this morning? At 8 a.m., they met at the church for prayer. At 8 a.m., they met at the church for prayer. I'm sure there was probably a lot of tears, a lot of memories, that had been destroyed, a lot of symbols of faith that are gone, not to mention people in their church who lost more than cars but lost their homes in the flood that hit their community. But they gathered together to pray, and then they split up. Some of the people stayed at the church to start cleaning up the church, and others went into the community to start cleaning up their community. Difficult times that are going to be difficult for some time, but a people who come together because they know that the power of God through the Holy Spirit is adequate to get them through the circumstances they face. You with me here? God's power is more than adequate to help us through whatever it is that comes in life. And that's why Paul prays that that we would have roots that that go down deep into the love of God, that roots that would hold us firm in the midst of the challenges of life. You know, whenever I think about roots going deep, I think of those, those trees you see along the Oregon coast. You know the ones that are like kind of tucked into the rocks, that all their branches are kind of going this way, right? And somehow they keep standing in the midst of the storms that pummel them year after year. They, they remain standing because their roots are, are anchored strongly into the rocks that are there. But you know, I, I also think about the forests that stretch inland from the coast. 
Not the isolated trees, but these forests of many trees that, that go for miles and miles. You know that those trees and those forests, their roots don't go down as deep, but their roots are intertwined with the other trees. And those forests stay standing because their roots are intertwined. You know, Paul is, is, is praying that we would have roots that go deep. Roots that go deep. But do you remember that Paul also prayed to God the Father? To God the Father that talks about a people who have this interconnectedness and this relationship with one another. And so when he's praying that our, deep, that our roots would go deep, there's also this reminder that we are a people who are interconnected together. May we be the kind of people who have roots that go deep, but roots that are connected with one another. So that through the challenges of life, together we can stand firm in the love that God has poured out upon us. Amen? And through the midst of all of this, Paul's prayer continues to say, I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond the knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. The fullness of God. You know, there's a word about this that we don't use very often. It's, it's a word called theosis. How many of you have heard that word before? I'm just curious. Theosis. Two? <laughs> okay, here we go, right? Theosis, it's this, this idea that, that we, through the power of God, would be transformed into the likeness of God. Sometimes when people talk about this, they'll say, God became like us when Jesus came fully human and yet also fully divine. God became like us so that we could become like God. Now, for some folks, when they hear that right away, they kind of say, oh, yeah, you know what, Pastor Mark, <laughs> that sounds great, but we're humans. We are not God. Theosis never says that we become gods, that we can become like God, that through the power of God at work, our lives can be transformed, our lives can be changed, that, that we can live out the kind of life by the grace of God that God invites us to live into. And you know, before we dismiss that too quickly, let us just remember a couple of things. In the beginning, God created us what? In the image of God. We were created to live in the image of God. We were created to bear witness to those around us of the love of God that we have received. So that God's love would be made known in and through God's people. And if we try to sort of ride away this, this idea that we could live into this fullness of God, then, then in some ways we're giving too much credit to ourselves and not enough credit to God. Because we're never told that we can live into this through our own power and strength, but rather we can live into this through the power of God that is made at work in our lives by the grace of God. Amen? So is this prayer that we would experience the, the fullness of God, that we would know God's grace and power in every nook and cranny of our lives so that we could live into that. You know, I think sometimes there's far too many Christians who live below their spiritual means. There's far too many Christians who settle for less than all that God wants to do for them. 
There's far too many Christians who, who settle for a life that is just sort of ho-hum instead of experiencing the joy of God that is unspeakable. There are far too many Christians who, who go through life sort of troubled and disheartened instead of experiencing the peace of God that can be with us throughout any and all circumstances. There's far too many Christians who, who live this life feeling defeated or discouraged rather than experiencing what it is to be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. You know, my, my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we would not settle for less than more than God wants to do in us, but that we would experience the fullness of God's love in our lives and through our lives. Amen? that our roots would be rooted in the love of Christ, but that our roots would also be tied together with one another so that we can walk together in fellowship and through the Spirit who works within us so that we can live as God's people for all the world to see. Let's pray together today. Lord, I thank you today that you are a God who is with us. I thank you today that the good news of your gospel is still being made known in the world today. And Lord, today as we gather together as a congregation, I, I just echo these words of this prayer of Paul's. Lord, I, I pray that we would not be discouraged, but that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit that we would, would know that your spirit is with us and that your power is more than adequate to help us through any situation that we might face. And so God, I pray that you would help us to be a people who lean into your Holy Spirit, who walk in faithful obedience, even in the midst of the challenges that come our way. And Lord, I pray that that we would root ourselves not in the things of this world, but we would root ourselves in the love of Jesus Christ. And that we would find ourselves living in fellowship and communion with one another. So that through all of these things, God, your love might be made known in us. So that when people see us, they wouldn't see us, but they would see you living in us. And so, God, we offer ourselves to you today for these purposes. We offer this church to you. We are your church. Help us to be your people. God, we pray all of these things in the name of our loving Heavenly Father. In your name, amen.